0: And welcome to another edition of On The Board Sports. My name is Sean Thomas, joined by my wonderful host, Will C. Will Trucci. Will, how are you doing, sir?
1: Sean T. and Will C. in the place to be, baby. How are you? I'm
0: doing great, buddy. I'm doing great for a Sunday fun day. Sunday fun day, rain day also. A little bit of rain yes. last night, early this morning. Mm-hmm. But the sun's out, the birds are flying. So, you know, it's it's uh, of course. shaping up to be an all. You know, hey, listen, when the rain falls,
1: day, when the rain falls... Always washes away the old, comes in with the new.
0: We call that a rinse. <laughs> yes, so. so it's a it's a it's definitely a rinse for definitely sure. Definitely a rinse, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, let's get straight straight to it. First of all, episode number seven. Shout outs to everybody who has listened and tuned into episodes one through six. Super six last week. That was a great show. Yes. Speaking of another great show today. We're going to have a couple guests. Will? Yes,
1: we're going to have from the Drive for Five Instagram page again. David Lazar going to go over some NHL talk. With what's been going on in the off season, other than John Tavares, a couple of trades been going on in the NHL landscape. And at the four o'clock hour, going to have a close friend, close friend of mine from the Blue and Orange Army. He's a big MMA fan, Anthony Grambo. At four o'clock, talk some MMA with Mister Grambo.
0: You have to be an MMA fan with uh, with uh, with that name, Anthony Grambo. Grambo. That's an awesome name. That's an awesome name, bro. It is. Cal Clutterbuck. Anthony Gramble. They just go they go hand, hand in hand. hand. It's no wonder he's part of the blue and orange and Orange me. It <laughs> makes sense, Will. Talking about also what makes sense, Will, I believe three, four weeks ago, yours truly made sense when I said France, we oui, oui, yes, was a sleeper to yeah. win the World Cup. And, and, uh, and three, happened? four weeks later, Will, yeah, three, they're the champions, man. Yes, yes. So how about that, man?
1: How about that? Youngest player... Always gonna keep on remembering this till probably the show will never end, I don't think, <laughs> but there's no such thing as never, but it won't end. Right. But for the first week and all that, I'm gonna remember Sean Thomas, France, 28 years old, youngest guys, twenty oldest guys, twenty-eight years old. So twenty-eight. It's yeah, it's crazy what France went through, you know, and to see them finally win the Stanley Cup. I know in 06 they went up against World the Cup. World Cup. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in the world Not cup hockey yet. That, thank you. Thank you. You see I I I I, 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 I correct you're Sean. Ready. I correct Sean. Sean corrects me. It yeah. always works hand in hand. You're right. So no, it's good. Thank you Sean. Yes, sir. But uh no, in 06 France lost to Italy. And we all know what happened over there with Zidane headbutting the Italian player which ultimately wound up costing France the world cup and now 12 years later France is on top. So Redemption. congratulations for for France.
0: So You know they they play what, seven games, three in the stage, and you know, I I'm saying four. Well, they they trailed for a total of ten minutes in seven games. That's nuts. That they ten minutes in seven games that they trailed, and none of their wins today was a today was a pretty win, a four two win. But you know none of the wins were were you know pretty fancy. But you know this team reminds me of the Giants is super. Super Bowl teams. Well, were they the most talented team on the field? Either of those two Super Bowls, obviously not. Right. But they just grit and they grind. They grit and they grind, kind of like how the Grizzlies were like five, six years back. Like they weren't the most talented Western Conference team, but when they beat the Spurs and the Lakers and the Clippers, they didn't do it because they're more talented than those teams. They did it because they had more grit and more grind. So. Not to relay basketball. The Grizzlies? To yeah, yeah. With Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph and that? Yeah, in back that? in their year. Okay, back the in 2011. Yeah, yeah, 2011, to 2012. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, when they were good. They're not good now, but... <laughs> right. I understand. When they were good, right. So, you know, um, I wanted to see England-France. I definitely did. I actually picked that for the final. Then I picked England to win. But, you know, you got to give Croatia um, their trail they scored a goal late to tie it up in extra time they get the game winning goal to uh, move on they're also uh not too old team so they're gonna be back row. but there's people saying well this was the best world cup that they've ever seen and from the stage group games to you know the final 16 8-4-2 and now one it's definitely one that when i'm when i'm old and gray i would definitely look back and say 2018 world cup was definitely one for the books well
1: You got to remember this, too. Everybody was talking about the stars, talking about Ronaldo, talking about Messi, and all the other superstars that were involved. I mean, honestly, probably the perfect team came out to win it all, you know? And it's funny. Superstars don't win you games. Hard work and hard work does. And that France team today really, really showed up, and they were poised to win from the beginning, especially in the 18th minute with the penalty kick and all that going in there and excuse me I may not know some of the guy's names but I do know a little bit but uh you know it's it, it's it's good for that country especially like I said with what they went through the past twelve years with losing the Italy in oh six in the final and then with everything that's been going on with uh with regards to what has been uh, happening with uh with the terrorist attacks. yeah with all the terrorist like attacks and everything shootings and bombings especially. Yes, you know
0: the the city the city the whole country the deserves country. that for sure. Definitely, definitely, and and so and well, you make a very a very good point about stars. Their three best players, Griezmann and Bakpe and Pogba, all three of those guys scored in the championship game. That's when you want your best players to show up. when it matters matters the most, and all three of those guys scored. So France, congrats! I wish I would have picked you guys as the winner. And not the sleeper. And, but every week though. Every week Sean would mention France every week. I so did. that's definitely a winner for sure. I did, I did. It, 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 it was just something about that team. Like you you could just sense This may not make sense what I'm about to say, but you could sense a sense of just they weren't gonna lose. Like, makes sense. You what I'm saying? Like 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 yeah, like right. Okay, well uh, thank you, Well. <laughs> it just seemed like they're gonna find a way to win. Yeah, it's almost like the the great, you know, Yankee teams. Well, like you're obviously, I'm saying, um, a b- 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 big time fan. That 2010 team. You mean they, 09? Oh, sorry, correct. They just found ways to win every they, every game every since game May. They just found ways. May. If they were down four zip, mm-hmm. by the time you blink, they're up five four. It's like holy smokes! Like they just found ways to win. So, France reminds me of. Different champions in different sports, right? And I'm so glad that they won. And well, like we said, in four years, their oldest player is going to be 32. That's scary. That 32. Is. LeBron is 33 right now. Right now, Carmelo is 34 mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade is 35 right now. <laughs> so the thing that in four years, these guys are going to be middle to late uh the twenties world is very scary
1: Sean I gotta ask you this right now with the with everything we we always talk about legacies and sports and all that you know you talk about France being your sleeper and everything like that Where do you see this World cup team as far as like ever being you know there with regards to you know them winning it all and everything like that? Where would you compare? the past champions with uh, with France right now.
0: Since I've been watching soccer world, the pound for pound, the best champion I've seen was Germany in 2014. Fourteen, they right. just dominated everybody. Like, they ran through everybody. The championship game, that was close, but besides that, well, they just ran through everybody. That was pound for pound the best team that I've seen. Right. Well, I will put France in the top three. Mm-hmm. You because you want to know who I would put just ahead of the 2000 and, and 14. 18 France. Oh, okay. Ooh. The 1998 France team. That team was really good. That team, like the 2014 um, uh, 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 Germany team, mm-hmm. ran through everybody too. Right. So they're definitely the top three. Some people may say top five world, but they're definitely there. And it's because. When you only trail for 10 minutes in seven, eight games, that is domination. Absolutely. That is do- – so. like, you ran through everybody. So, well, I'm pretty sure when on the board sports is on a bigger and better stage in 2022. It, it will be. We will look back four years from, from now and say, France repeats as to, as a, a World Cup, um it's, um it's champions. Well, we can legit say that four years from now. We can, but
1: anything's possible. Anything could happen. You look at all these other countries. Like I said, Italy can probably come back stronger. Greece could probably come back stronger. The United States, for could years, come back. can definitely. Period. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's come back, period. <laughs> I mean, USA soccer hasn't really been, you know, living up to the hype that that everybody's been building them to. But you know, you gotta understand one thing: soccer is a world game. It you is. You know, it's not like it's not like basketball over here where you have the collector. The, We'll go with basketball because basketball right. always dominates. Right. with With the USA basketball team, you know, you get the superstar names from the NBA. The NBA is the best of the best, and you know, I mean, when was the last time you got to see what a team a team beat them? You know, it's true. You know, a long time, a long time. So, there's a lot of things that could happen, but uh, you know, there's also a lot of things that could happen with France. So,
0: very, very true. So. So, you know, and, and and it's one of those things where, well, it's like you said, we were looking for the superstars, and the superstars had some moments here and some moments there, but at the end of the day, some people will, I would say that the best team won, you know what I'm saying, like, not all the time the best player on the best team wins. Golden State, Cleveland. LeBron is the best player uh, in the world, but the best team won. Right. Golden State is just, just, just simply Diamond. man for man, the b- b- better team. Right. So France played some guys that had a that had a star, but they were just the team to beat. What was your favorite moment from this World Cup outside of today? Oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Mm. Well, that's a hard one. I would have to say Belgium-Japan. Mm-hmm. Belgium-Japan round of 16. Japan was up 2-zip about 15 minutes to go, plus obviously, you know, yeah. an extra time. Mm-hmm. Well, Belgium scored three goals in about a 15-minute span, with the 10 minutes plus the extra time. That was, to me, the best game of the World Cup. Right there. Right. And just seeing them score that third goal and seeing... It's almost like that sports saying, well, it's called um, the something of something and the...
1: The something of something with the the something of The agony of
0: defeat, but there's something the the pure I, the thrill the, the thrill, thrill of, of victory, victory and I, the agony of defeat yes. there we go yes. or the something of something the something of whichever something. one works we'll put that on the t shirt <laughs> the,
2: the exactly. something of
0: something and then we'll put in quotes notorious pink that's right. what we're gonna put in quotes. <laughs> that's what we're gonna put in yes. quotes will Can't but wait. to see one team cheering and laughing and smiling and Japan will they were 10, ten fifty minutes away from advancing to the round of eight right. That had to be my best uh, moment. Yeah,
1: I think my best moment would probably be the, uh, the penalty kick that happened in the the uh, the late round in the uh, in the late minutes of I forgot which game it was. There was a penalty kick that happened where like I forgot who it was. I think it was Ger- was
0: it Germany. Mm-hmm. Who, you know who I'm talking about though. Was it last week or was it the week? I think before? it was last week. England Sweden. Yeah. England Sweden, and England won. Because they're their, their goldie block, block back to uh, back kicks, they're goldie block back to back to back kicks, and so they scored and then they won. So England Sweden was definitely uh, um, that game as well. Well, penalty kicks are always fun. Penalty kicks are always fun. You know, it's almost like the shootout. In, um, in, you know, and saying right, you know what I'm saying so, and I and you know I think in that sense, you know, with soccer it takes. Obviously, a lot more scale because you have a much bigger goal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, but but you no. Know, well, it's going to go down as probably the best World Cup, World Cup that anybody has ever seen. And for France to, you know, come out on top, I mean.
1: Hell, even having Ronaldo scoring three goals.
0: In the first it. game. The first game. That was such a clash. Portugal, Spain, and you know and 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 saying? And, you know, that was a great uh, that moment there. The host country, uh, Russia, made it to the top eight. Well, Russia was the third worst team in the World Cup. The third worst. Yeah. And so for them to make it to the round of eight, and they almost made it to the round of four. You don't think there could have been something a little fishy going on with Putin being over there and stuff like That's that That's what a lot having. of people said. A lot of people was like, if you watch the game, there was a lot of fouls not called. There was a lot of, you know, things that were turned uh. Blind eye, as they say, so, you know, it, I wouldn't put it past them, but at the end of, end of the day, I mean, you know, who knows? Well, Russia and France could be friends, so this could be one of those situations where for the conspiracy people, right? you know, it's like a team that young not supposed to be, you know, winning. And, well, that was my concern with France. Remember I said it I felt that their youth would show up at some point. Mm-hmm. I just saw them being so young. Right. With a rare it's ugly head and it never did it never never did. So credit to those guys, man. Yes. Yeah,
1: that's what happens when you have guys in their prime and young and running around the field and everything like that trying to win a win a soccer game So Right. You know it it's going to be it's going to be a fun thing. And right. You got to remember one thing too. Soccer the field's huge. I don't know how those guys they don't get tired but they get conditioned. In the right way for it going in there every every single day playing so, you know it, it's going to be like I said in the next uh, in the next four years do we see France win it all again probably but you know anything's possible again who would have thought Croatia would have made it all the would've way would have to been the end? final
0: right so a uh, big shout out to them speaking of shout out we have our buddy David Lazar he's going to be uh, calling in soon before he does will right we didn't. Get a chance to touch on it last week. We're going to get a chance to touch on it now. Well, I honestly feel that transitioning from World Cup to hockey now, I honestly don't feel that I got a Tavares to Toronto reaction. The are you on the show. Got, I felt like you mentioned it, but I didn't feel
1: like you got an Islanders reaction out of me. And now right. you're gonna see Uh-oh. what's gonna happen with regards to what Tavares is gonna do with Toronto. I don't think ta- t- John Tavares is gonna be the captain on that team. I don't personally. Right. He signed a big, Matthews probably will. Matthews either that or you know they got to resign a guy like uh, William Nylander. Right. They have uh, Frederick Anderson. You know, the top goalie that's just about to enter into his prime. So, uh, you know, it's going to be fun up there in Toronto to see what's going to happen. Now, I mentioned it last week. The last Canadian team, just in general of all Canada, to win the Stanley Cup was in 1993. That was the Montreal Canadiens led by Patrick Watt. Patrick Waugh.
0: yes, great name. Who a lot of people know as being a great goalie for the Avalanche, yes, <laughs> and
1: going in there and beating beating the Devils in seven games in two thousand and one. But that's for a different topic for a different day. But uh, right now, with regards to that to their team, Mike Babcock is an absolute. He's a good coach. The uh, the GM the ownership situation. It was just a perfect a perfect storm to have Tavares and to have. Uh, to have uh, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs there on the same plane as each other and then going having Tavares to go back home to Toronto on that same flight. It was just absolutely incredible. You know, and a lot of people, including myself, thought that he was gonna stay, but until the final, you know, the final minute, <clears throat> a lot of people said, uh, you know, oh, that said he's gone. I, I, I didn't think he was gonna be gone, but, you know, things happened. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I am one of those people too that kinda burned his jersey too. But it will well. it was a knockoff. It was I a knockoff jersey, but still. I know you did. You know it's just it, it's, you know it, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that ultimately need to happen, and the Toronto media is going to be absolutely when when things don't go John's way. You think the New York media with with him in Long Island? That's nonsense. That's the Post. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> TSN. You have all all, all exactly. the media
0: outlets out there now. Right.
1: Everything's and magnified. Candle, hockey
0: is number. One, two, and three. Then they worry about basketball and football and blah blah blah. Well they have the <laughs> CFL up there, but uh That's like four and five. You know, what about the Raptors with Drake? I mean, still yeah. when you have the Maple Leafs, the Canucks, the Flames, the Jets, and I'm sure I'm missing like two or three others. Ottawa Senators. Ottawa. <laughs> you know I'm saying so yeah. you know what I'm saying? So but but well again, I would have been upset at Tavares if he would have signed with the Sharks if he would have signed with any other team that right. wasn't Toronto because well he went home he went and he he said that well I'm not mad about him doing I was that. mad until I saw the Instagram post of him as a kid and his bed sheets were the maple hey Leafs. right like I mean I mean How could you not understand his choice then? Like, it was a dream for him to play for his hometown team. He got the opportunity to. It sucks that it had to come at the cost of leaving us. Right. But at the same time, well, I honestly, well, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I honestly don't think John Tavares cares whether he's successful or not. I think this is all about John Tavares fulfilling a lifelong dream. I'm going to play in front of my hometown, in my hometown, in front of my home fans, my friends, my family. Well, it's almost like you, five, six, seven years old. I'm gonna I'm gonna play first base. The Yankees want to play first base. And you get drafted by the Reds. <laughs> yeah. And you have a great five, six years. You're a free agent, the number one guy. Well, if you were to come home to the Yankees and play first base, I don't think people in Cincinnati should burn the jersey of you, Will, because you went home. Well, You're from New York. Right. You're born and you're raised. Right. And, it was, and, of course, it's it was your lifelong dream. So yeah. I think it's the same rule here. Well, if he went anywhere else, well, I would have burned jerseys, T-shirts, <laughs> no games. I would have wrote him on Twitter, on Instagram, cursed him out, Yeah. Everything. But what does that really do? You know what right. I mean? But, well, he went home, and as much as it hurts, I could understand why and I wish him the, the absolute best uh,
1: you know what I mean it's been two weeks since it's happened uh, you know there's a lot of things that have obviously happened I read the, his uh, Players Tribune article with him and uh, you know it, it's uh, I think somebody said the best like uh, Alan Hahn I think Alan Hahn from MSG Network he said it the best with Tavares writing that whole article and it's like you, you tell the girlfriend that you're about to marry, oh, I just want to stay friends, but I'm going for the for the hot girl instead. You know what I mean? After you just spent like nine years of your life with that girl and you leave her on the altar like that. It, it's just it, – it's crazy. And Alan Hahn brings up a great point. But, you know, for for JT to go home, you know, who would have who thunk it? You know, not a lot of uh, – almost everybody – but, you know, anybody could be a Monday morning quarterback now and, and talk about this stuff. But when you're in the head of of a guy like John Tavares, dude, and you're trying to do what's best for you and, and your family, you you know, you want to be uh, that guy in,
0: in a good way, in a sense, for, for yourself, why not? You know what I mean? And it just goes to show he—and the point I was trying to make is I'm sure he cares about— success on and off the ice. Duh. Yeah, he does. But what I meant by saying that was he's going to a team where, well, he legit cannot be the number one guy. Austin, Austin Matthews. Matthews was the number one pick for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, he's probably going to be the captain for a reason. And he's going to be there for a long time for a reason. He's but, really, really good. But then, too, you know,
1: he's going to be a free agent within the next year or so. Right. You know, so, the Islanders have a lot of cap space. Maybe they'll... And he's a restricted free Wouldn't agent. would that be crazy? They'll throw a <laughs> boatload of money at him.
0: <laughs> and see if Toronto...
1: See if Toronto will a bite. Will, will, will they'll, they'll probably will. Pro, right. But, for you know, right.
0: it's, it's a tit-for-tat thing. You know what I mean? Right. But Well, I also think Toronto got him because you think about it. The teams that try to get him, the Kings, the Sharks, obviously... And the and there were a couple of, of the teams that... Uh, Boston Supermime. and Tampa Bay. Boston and Tampa Bay, and obviously Toronto. Mm-hmm. Will you... What do... Take Toronto out. Mm-hmm. Those f- five, six teams, what do they have in common that Toronto does not? Well, I'll just run it down right now for Aside you. Aside from the, the going home part, what do... Those five, six teams have in the outside company. the islanders too? You wanna go outside the islanders too? No, no, no. Just like those five, six teams. They're all built to win now. And they all offered him money. That's true. The point that I'm trying to get at is those five, six teams had to sell to Varys on why they should he should come and play for them. The Islanders will, even though he's played for them, he's been there, had to sell them on yo, the future's bright. We got the Rookie of the Year.
1: Yeah, the arena we got
0: draft picks. We got the arena. Blah, blah. Well, all that is a sell job, sell, sell, sell. That's everything. Toronto will did not have to sell anything because why? Again, he wanted to go he home. He wanted to go home, and that's what it's always going to come back to. Toronto didn't have to say arena this and play with this, and you know we're going to make this. Toronto said your face will be on the street corner of every street corner in Ontario. Which is what you dreamed of as a kid when you were six years old, eight years old, nine years old. You have Toronto, Maple Leaf, bed sheets to this day. And he so took it. less money. Bingo. I was... You, you well, And I he took less read money. read my mind. Took less money that to was, go home. That was my next point. The The money, he didn't care. So, well, again, was I upset? Yes. Were you upset? Obviously, when David calls, I'm sure he he's going to vent. But, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. at the end of the day he went home and, um, you know, so, so we'll see
1: what happens. But right now we have a, a one David Lazar from uh drive for five. David, how are you buddy? I'm doing well. How are you today? Good,
0: good. David what's you... going on pal.
3: Nothing much. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. We were just talking about, uh, Tavares going home to mm-hmm. Toronto, which, uh, you know, I follow you. will follow you. First of all, David, you do an outstanding job, bro. Like I just wanted to, you know what I'm saying? Uh say that first of all, me and Will are big fans. Glad that you're back uh on the show. Obviously, it's been a couple weeks since he left, but you know, just talk to the fans of our show. When you saw and when you learned the f- learned that he was going home, what were your thoughts then and how do you feel now?
3: That's a great question. It was one of those things where you remember exactly where you were. Um, I was at a conference on national affairs, which was like a government conference. And we were in this big conference hall and I didn't have Wi-Fi, So I was about an hour late on the news. I was minding my own business. I was happy. I was with my friends. And then I remember I was walking to my next meeting. Basically I was walking up a Hill. I had service for a brief moment. My phone goes off. I get the notification. John Tavares has re- signed with the Maple Leafs seven years, 77 million up from Bleacher Report. And it, Never before, never in my life has this feeling hit me where it's like I literally walked into a wall where it was actually happening and it was like, this is real. The Islanders are screwed and John Tavares just betrayed the fan base that he claimed he loved so much. And when I saw it, I was upset. You know, the thoughts started pouring through my head. How could he do this? What was happening? And then I saw the freaking pajama boy picture, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> we were just talking about moment, that." Oh, I like, uh,
1: man, that's funny.
3: Yeah, and at this moment, I'm like, "This guy wanted, always wanted to go to Toronto," and I just, I felt betrayed, and I was angry. And then this like spur of the moment thing hit me, where one thing about my followers, which is pretty cool, I've only got four thousand followers, mm-hmm. and if you look at a Maple Leafs account, or if you look at a any other team, Lightning, any other hockey team, Mm -hmm. you know, these, these pages have 20,000 followers. And the thing is with Islanders fans, we don't have a lot of fans. We don't show up to games. We, we just, as a fan base, we really don't have a lot of fans, but we are so passionate. And when we found out that John Tavares left, it was like a war and John Tavares, I, I, people were sending me videos of, Jersey burnings and everything Mm -hmm. and I was so upset I was posting them I was so angry at John Tavares I hated him he screwed us but then I started to think about it you know the things that the Islanders could have done we should have fired Garstone earlier we should have traded Travis Hamnick for Taylor Hall if Kate Murray didn't screw us and move us to Barclays Center all these things John Tavares would have stayed if the Islanders were a legitimate contender and contending for a Stanley Cup that I'm pretty sure of Mm -hmm. so The thing with John Tavares, he was never given a winner. He was never given a chance to win. It was always him. That Florida Panthers game six was so reminiscent of the Islanders' time with John Tavares. It was all John Tavares. He had no help. He had no line mates. He really never had any help. And I was starting to get over it. And then he writes that frickin' Players Tribune letter. And that was supposed to calm us down, but that was the fakest, most annoying thing I've ever read. How could he go on for 20 paragraphs about how much he loves Toronto in his thank you letter to the Islanders faithful. When I read that, it was clear John Tavares for 24 years out of his 27 year old life wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf ever since he watched that overtime goal. Ever since he stepped foot in Toronto Leafs garden, he knew he knew from the bottom of his heart and he was too scared to admit it. He was too big of a baby to finally admit it. He always his entire life. Wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and he was too scared to admit it. He was too scared to tell the Islanders, "Maybe I don't want to resign." He was so committed to the Islanders, but it was all a wall. It was all a lie. Right. John Tavares is a liar. He's a fraud, and I will immensely always respect what he did for the Islanders because without him, we'd be nothing. Right. But he should have done this in a different way, and it's a shame he didn't.
1: You know what, Dave? You're you're right. But also at the same point in time, when you're getting paid by the Islanders, I mean, what what else are you going to say to the media and to behind closed doors and everything like that too? You know, but that's that's a different story. I, I get what you're saying, I understand that, but you know, with with the Islanders now losing out on Tavares, I know they've re, redid their third and fourth line a little bit. They obviously got back a fan favorite, Matt Martin, to uh, heal the heal the wound a little bit, but. Uh, you know, what, what's the plan you, you, you see here now with regards to the Islanders trying to, you know, get back to where they got to get to?
3: Um, just to comment on that point, I respectfully disagree just because there are so many other high-profile free agents that have handled this correctly. Artemi Panarin is in the same situation. And what's he saying? He's saying, I don't know. I don't know my future. If John Tavares just would have said that, it would have shifted the blame to the Islanders where they could have traded him. They could have tested the – Tested their luck and tried to resign him. Mean, if he left, it would have been okay. Right. But the fact that John Tavares lied, the fact that he promised the fan base that he would resign and then didn't—that's where it hurt me. LeBron James did the same thing. He never said, "I'm going to resign with the Cleveland Cavaliers." He never said, "I love Cleveland." He just said, "I'm going to wait it out and test free agency." Mm-hmm. That's what John Tavares should have done. But with the Islanders, I'm Lou Lamarillo. He got Barry Trotz. He really, really did a great, you know three-month turnaround, culture change. But then seeing what he did in free agency was a little concerning. I see what he's trying to do. The Islanders are not a talented enough team to make the playoffs. So what are they going to do? They're going to beat the crap out of every team they play, and hopefully they can sneak a few wins and sneak into the playoffs. The Islanders have the most physical roster in the NHL right now. Not an under-exaggeration. Not an over-exaggeration, excuse me. They have legitimately eight players that could beat the crap out of you in a fight, which is really good. Because the Islanders are going to need that. They're going to need to go back to old-school hockey and really play a physical defensive game. The Islanders gave up over 290 goals last year. Barry Trotz's teams give up an average of 221 goals. That's 70 goals difference. John Tavares might have scored 84 points last year. But if we could just have a solid defensive team and replace some of John Tavares' points, guess what? We're going to break even, and we're going to be better than we were last year. Mm -hmm. So Lou Amarillo has a plan. His plan is to dominate physically. His plan is to hit, not be hit, dump and chase, as Butch Goring would say, and really, really just beat the crap and fight at, just really play hard. I respect it. Matt Martin's a character guy. He's a locker room guy. He can put up 20, 30 points if he has to. That fourth line, if you've got the best fourth line in hockey, that's a strength. That third line, whereas last year they tried to do too much with the skill, tried to, you know, Brock Nelson giving him, too much responsibility, they're just going to give another fourth line. You're going to have Filippola, you're going to have Kovar, you're going to have Ladd, Johnston, you're going to have these players who are physical. You're going to have two lines that can really beat the crap out of your opponents and then your top two lines, hopefully they're okay. The Islanders can maybe make a trade, go after Ryan Spooner or go after a center like Matthew Shane. Those are two guys I like, but in my opinion, Lou is trying to just play a physical game and see where it takes him because you're not going to win with you know, this roster you have now, if you don't shake things, shake things up. So I respect what Lou Lamoureux is doing. It's a little scary, but uh, I see his plan and I respect it.
0: David, um, before I get to my next uh, question, I'm on the, the, I'm on the same page with you because if he would have just been up front and said, I don't know, I'm not sure. I think the part that mm-hmm. hurts for us is the fact that we lost him for nothing. Right. For exactly. 9 years yeah. we lost him and we didn't get a draft pick a player a player and a pick. So I mean yes he went home and I understand that a point of it but to lose the captain and a guy that's been there for 9 years and did so much for not even a bag of chips that definitely hurts. Yeah, but, exactly. But obviously as fans we have to look, you know what I'm saying, afford now. The Islanders did have a draft and they did get two players mm-hmm. in that draft. Of their two first-round picks or of their draft overall, how do you feel they, they did in the draft?
3: I am so happy with their draft. I just spoke to Noah Dobson yesterday, actually, in an interview. And Noah Dobson is the most positive, hard-working guy. His body isn't where it needs to be. So what's he doing? He's working out six days a week in Los Angeles with a sports scientist to get his body to where it needs to be. He's a talented two-way defenseman that can put up points. He's won at every level in the juniors. He's a talented guy. He went over to Austria. Noah Dobson could be a top defenseman. He could be an Alex Petrangelo and Oliver Ekman-Larsen. No exaggeration there. Noah Dobson is an elite defenseman. He's a top-ten talent. He fell to us. I have such high hope for him. If he gets his body where it needs to be, this guy is going to be a top defenseman. And you got Oliver Wallstrom. This is a Patrick Laine, Alexandro Ovechkin-type player. He's not the best defensively, but he can put the puck in the net unlike no other. This guy is going to be a talented, talented force in the Islanders' top six. And then someone who wasn't drafted. How about Kiefer Bellows? Kiefer Bellows is a really talented prospect. He's a scorer. He's a Matt Barzal type player. He can pass. He can shoot. He's a really good player. The Islanders have those three guys at the top of their farm system and they're in really, really good shape there. And then you look at the Islanders' goaltending prospect that they draft, Jakub Sarek. Jakub Sarek has already signed his entry-level deal for three years with the Islanders, 925 a year. He is a solid, solid goaltending prospect, another guy the Islanders can put in the pipeline and really, really have faith that he will be a solid goaltender one day. He's got a lot of work to do, but he's been playing in the Czech Republic his whole life. He's a professional goalie already. And at 18, this guy is someone who in a few years can come up and be a backup and then eventually rise to a starter. So for the Islanders, those are my three guys. Not even touching on Bodie Wild, who was a top 15 prospect who fell to the Islanders at 41. Not even touching on him. The Islanders got so many top prospects in this draft. Lou Amarillo didn't tease, he didn't mess around like Garth Snow would have done. He drafted the best players available when they fell to him, and in my opinion, that's the way to do it. Lou Amarillo got three, if not four, top elite prospects that will be something one day, and we just got to be patient. I know you've been hearing that for a while as Islanders fans, but if the Islanders are patient, this draft class could go down as one of their best in their
1: history. Now, you talk about patience, and there's one guy in particular that all Islanders fans have been wanting to uh, jump on a little bit, and Michael Dalcole, okay? Ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Dalcole Cole is a top-five draft pick. Um, do you see him making the team anytime soon? Here's my
3: thing with Michael Dalcole. This guy is struggling, and he's really not playing well. He's really not doing well at all. He's struggling in Bridgeport. He struggled in his few games up with the NHL, and he's struggling at the minor league level. But here's the thing. I don't care how bad he's doing. If you're going to write this guy off as a bust and get rid of him, which Islanders fans want to do, the Islanders are not going to be really a top team next year. You have to, you absolutely have to give Michael Dalcole a stretch of 15 to 20 games at the NHL level where he can consistently show, Hey, I can play at this league and then restore some trade value. You could trade him or you can keep him or he does terrible, and then you release him, and you, you write off that failure. But the thing with Michael Dalcole is he's never been given a chance. He's been with us for six years now, has not once been given a chance. The Islanders need to give this guy a chance if they want to see what he really is. I'm calling on Lou Amarillo. If things are going bad, if the Islanders aren't a playoff team halfway through the year, you call up Michael Dalcole. You trade away Philpia, even though he's got a no-trade clause. I'm sure he waives that. You trade away someone, Kovar, Kunakl, someone. You trade someone away, and you give Michael Dalcola a spot. Because right now, it looks like he's a bust and he's a failure. But we don't know. You have to give this guy a chance. He's never been given a chance. I'm a big fan of chances. The Vegas Golden Knights did that with about seven players, and they were given chances. And what do they do? They dominate. They make it to the Stanley Cup, and all of these players form a good team because they're all misfits who have been written off by their old teams. That come together to form one great product. If I'm the if I'm the Islanders, Michael Delkole right now it's looking like he's a bust, but you got to find a way to give him a chance. You have to do it because right now we don't know.
0: David, uh, my last question for you was this: looking at the landscape of the league and other teams. Were there any trades or any moves that kind of caught you by surprise or anything I like that like what do you like what do you think of the NHL free agency and the off season so far as a whole right, I'll touch on a few
3: teams one the Edmonton Oilers got no idea what they're doing they (laughs) have not addressed any of their problems and they signed kyle brozniak to a one-year 2.3 million dollar deal that's not what they needed they have not addressed any of their defensive issues they really haven't done anything to give Connor mcdavid a team around him that that situation screams the islanders where they've got such a talented player in Connor mcdavid just like we had john tavares and they're just not going to give this guy a team around him to win so I'm looking for the Edmonton Oilers to try to do something in the trade market. They re-signed Ryan Strome, but he was a failure when he was on the Oilers. I'm not sure what they're doing. <laughs> Another team that's really interesting for me is the Detroit Red Wings. just absolutely refusing to commit to a rebuild. They re-signed Mike Green to a two-year, $10-plus million deal, re-signed Thomas Vanek, a guy they traded. They're going after these veterans again. They got Anthony Mantha and some other guys back. But I really, again— don't know what they're doing there, because you've <laughs> got to commit to a rebuild. They haven't made the playoffs in three seasons now. They're a team that really, really needs to rebuild, and their big contract coming up is Dylan Larkin. Look for them to try to lock him up as long-term as possible to a possible uh, Leon Dreisaitl-type deal. Eight years, $8 years 8000000 per year. This guy's a 70-point player, really solid talent, and I'm looking for the the Red Wings to do something there. And then I really like what the Florida Panthers are doing. They're going to be a sneaky team. That Mike Hoffman trade was really, really solid for only a second-round pick. He's got some locker room issues, obviously, but Mike Hoffman's a top-six talent that will really, really, really complete their team, in my opinion. They've got solid defense. They've got two, now three great goaltenders, and in my opinion – I'm looking at the Panthers as a team that could sneak into the playoffs. And then, this makes me sad to talk about, but the Arizona Coyotes, I absolutely love what they're doing. They have a guy, Oliver Reckman Larson, who they've committed everything to. And what does Oliver ekman Larson do back? He signs a discount eight-year deal to stay with Arizona, a team where he's never won anything with. But Oliver Reckman larsson he's a class act. He re-signs for an eight-year, $8 year 8000000 per season uh, contract. I love Oliver ekman larsen one of my favorite players in the league. He's going to be a cornerstone for the Coyotes. And finally, just like the Islanders, the Arizona Coyotes are finally taking a turn. They've really made a great trade with that Alex Galchenyuk trade and taking advantage of Mark Bergevin's incompetence. Adding adding a top center like that is really, really a solid move. And then they go after Michael Grabner. Grabner's a really, really solid ex-Islander who's a speedy guy, PK guy, will add some shorthanded goals. They signed into to a cheap three-year deal, $10 million. I really like what the Arizona Coyotes are doing. Coyotes, Florida Panthers, two teams, in my opinion, that will sneak into the playoffs based off their solid offseason. So that's my free agent rundown. Those are the moves that kind of stood out for me. And just to summarize, we, we talked about it before. The Islanders, they're adding these depth forwards. I don't really know what they're doing. I get it. They're trying to get physical, but the Islanders need to do something. They need to get a defenseman. They need to get a top forward. The Islanders are not going to be a playoff team if they don't do something. So I'm really hoping Lou Amarillo listens and makes the phone call and adds the top talent.
1: There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of situations going to happen now within the next couple of weeks. You're probably going to see a lot of uh, trade chatter with regards to what's going on with the aforementioned Matthew Shane you've been mentioning. Uh, just in general, who do you see the Islanders going after with regards to uh, – who they who they're gonna probably trade or sign within the next couple of weeks because they really do need a top six, uh, top six centerman right there right now because we know Barzal with the whole second line with Villier and Eberly and you still have the top two forwards in Anders Lee and Josh Bailey, what, mm-hmm. you know what, what's gonna happen? I, listen, David, I get I get why they sign all these guys, you know. Yeah, me too. You know yeah. they 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 need depth guys too because that's what killed them last year with all the injuries. Okay, but yeah. Where do you see the Islanders going, you know, with what they're going to be doing soon? So, what 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 are they going to do in your opinion? This is tough because honestly,
3: for after 12 years of Garth Snow's reign of terror, my answer is nothing. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do anything. That's just as an Islanders fan's that's, that's what I'm trained to say. I'm not sure they're going to give up a top prospect, a Bodie Wild, a Noah Dobson, you know, a Keith Bellows, and make the move for an Eric Carlson, a Duchesne, or Ryan Spooner. I don't know. If I had to bet money on it, I would say the Islanders do nothing. They've got too many forwards already. They're going to re sign Ryan Pulock, and they're going to go with their, you know, AHL defenseman and Devontae's Mitch Vonnie Sopel and, and go with the young guys. I don't really. I don't know if we make a trade. It would be obviously a dream scenario for the Islanders to go out, get Eric Carlson, or go out and get a top six forward. But I think Jan Kovar was that guy out of Russia, and I think Ryan Pullock's going to be that guy in a re-signing. I'm not confident the Islanders do anything. I don't think they give up the prospects. But if I had to bet on one player that the Islanders go after, I absolutely love Ryan Spooner out of the New York Rangers, and here's why. I've been reading all over the internet. Rangers fans, for some reason, hate Ryan Spooner. And the guy comes in, he puts up 16 points in 20 games. He's moving up and down the lineup, playing on the fourth line some games and playing on the first line other games. Ryan Spooner has been someone who has been written off his whole career. Yet he's always, unlike Michael Dalcol, he's always been able to produce. He's a point-per-game talent. He was in Boston. He was in New York. I just hope the Islanders realize this and take advantage of a situation because the Rangers really don't want to resign this guy they will to a bridge deal if possible but they've got their prospects coming in and they don't want to hog a center spot so if I'm the Islanders I know you never trade with the New York Rangers but Lou Amarillo is an outsider he's from Toronto coming over I if I'm him I call up the New York Rangers and I just ask what will you take for Ryan Spooner How about we'll give you Brock Nelson, who's a winger, which is very valuable for the Rangers because Brock Nelson can play right wing, unlike Ryan Spooner. So Brock Nelson won't hog a spot for their two top center prospects. Mm -hmm. So Ryan Spooner, he's a point per game player. He comes into the Islanders. I guarantee he puts up 60 points. The Rangers don't really like him. If you can give up Brock Nelson in a second, and I know that doesn't sound like enough, but really, I'm telling you, the Rangers are not Ryan Spooner fans. That was a throw-in in the Rick Nash trade, and they really don't want him. If you can get Ryan Spooner for cheap, which I think you can, i do it. And that's my guy that could be really cheap, and the Islanders will be comfortable giving up the price for it, because, to be honest, I don't see them giving up a Bodie Wild and Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom for Matt Duchesne or Eric Carlson.
1: Dave, quick 30 seconds. What's going to happen with uh, Josh Hosang?
3: Josh Hosang, I think he's going to be given a chance. He's going to really... Really thrive in Barry Trotz's new system, and I think he's going to put up thirty, forty points this year in you know sixty games. I think he's going to be a good player, and Barry Trotz is going to give him a chance, and we'll see a rejuvenated Josh Sogang in a new system. I'm excited to see him. He's going to get his attitude together, and he's going to be a good player.
1: That's awesome! Can't wait to see what happens over there with the Islanders and what's been going on so far in this NHL free agency period. David Lazar from the Instagram page Drive to 5. If you're not following him, go follow him now. If you're an Islanders fan, even if you're not an Islanders fan, go follow that page. One of the best pages out there on Instagram right now for any sort of hockey coverage. So, David, thank you for the time for coming on the show. You're
0: always welcome. David, thank, thank you so, you. so much, buddy. Thank you so much. Best of, of luck with and let everything, Let me just buddy.
3: say one thing quickly. Sure, sure. Um, I'm sorry to take the time here. I'm not sure if you guys are aware. This actually came out 20 minutes ago, so you guys might have not even known because you were doing the show. Mm-hmm. But former goaltender Ray Emery has passed away. He is drowned this afternoon. So I would like to give out my condolences. He was a great goalie for the Flyers always fighting a Robin Leonard type guy. So I would like to give out my condolences. It's a sad day for the hockey world. Wow. So rest in peace, Ray Emery. Um, This might be news to you guys. Um, It just came out. So I'm sorry to blindside you, but Ray Emery, you know, he has passed away. And, you know, it's a sad day, really upsetting. One of my favorite goaltenders to watch. So uh, Ray Emery, you know, passed away, drowning. So just want to give my thoughts and prayers.
1: Crazy stuff, man. Thank you for that, David. Thank you for that information right there. Rest in peace, Ray Emery.
3: Okay, well, thank you, guys. Have a good day. Have right, a David, thank you, show. buddy.
1: Thank you, Dave. That was David Lazar from Drive to Five, one of the one of the most creative and probably one of the best Instagram pages to follow a hockey account on. So most definitely. It's definitely crazy. We're going to go to break in a minute, but just to go off and read a commercial, um, I'm going to go read off about Notorious Pink. Uh, enjoy the good life with the Notorious Pink, a rosé made from the finest 100% Grenache from the south of France with an aromatic nose. And taste that is simply delicious. Go out and see if your local distributor, liquor distributor, has a bottle of Notorious Pink. I've had it. Sean's definitely had it before. Yes. it's really, really good. So go out there and see if they have it. If you and you won't be and you won't regret it. On the board sports, we're t- we'll take a little break. We will be right back. anthony anthony what's up buddy hey what's what's going on bud how you
4: doing
1: good man good can't complain can't complain thank you for calling in uh we're not on the air right now at the moment but we'll 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 lead lead you back in so you know just tell me like with an introduction with how how you want to go about it
4: um
1: just say mma enthusiast mma enthusiast and blue and orange army fan islanders fan yeah all right cool no problem
4: Oh, I'm hearing myself back.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go on air in 15 seconds. All right. We'll play some music right. and then I'll, I'll read off the card and you know who won and everything like that. And you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into it. All right, buddy. All
4: right, cool. And all then right. talk about the next fight and also about the Daniel Cormier being two way champion. Also, from
1: yeah. week. Yes, most definitely. We'll definitely get into that. Sounds good. All right. And welcome back to hour two of On the Board Sports, episode seven. I'm Will Trucci, aka Will C, and I'm with my main man, Sean Thomas, aka Sean T, along with our producer, Caleb.
0: How is everybody going so far? Well, that elevator music is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's NFL it's films the, music, right? But it definitely sounds like elevator music, kind of like me waiting to get upstairs here to the eighth yes. floor. But it's soothing. It's <laughs> very, very soothing. Hey, listen, you gotta love the old school stuff, man. You
1: know, Sam Spence, one of the one of the legends when it comes to making music. So, right, you know, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, MLB talk we'll be talking about soon. Uh but yesterday it was uh, MMA one thirty three one thirty-three and on the uh he had a lot of fights going on last night. Junior Dos Santos, he defeated uh Black uh Sage Northcutt defeated Zach Otto, uh Rick Glenn defeated Dennis Bermudez by a split decision, Nico Price defeated Randy Brown, Chad Mendez, he came back, uh defeated Miles Jury by uh, TKO. And uh, Kat Zing- Zingano defeated Marion Rennell by unanimous decision. And on the pl- preliminary card, we have Alejandro Perez. He defeated Ed- Eddie Wineland. Uh Alexander volkanovsky defeated Darren Elkins. Said uh, Nudge... Nutri- I can't even pronounce his name. He defeated... Demagameda. Yes, and on cue, right on cue, is... <laughs> MMA enthusiast and Blue and Orange Army fan, a- Islanders fan, Anthony Grambo. Anthony, glad to have you on the show, buddy. How are you? Good, good. Glad, glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Anytime, Anthony. Thank you for coming on. Anthony, you know, we were talking about MMA a couple weeks ago over at the uh, barbecue. And, uh, you know, what? what surprises have you seen so far with regards to what has happened you know, over the past couple of weeks?
4: Oof, I mean, there's a lot of things that happened. The whole fiasco with the rankings right now, you got Daniel Cormier, two-way championship. You have uh, Demetrius Johnson fighting soon. Also, you have the rematch between Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw coming up. So, I mean, there's a lot of news coming around. And also, everyone's trying to find out like, what's going on with Conor McGregor, if he's going to fight against Khabib. Or we're just going to go back to Tony Ferguson. But that'll probably be the fifth time around, so we don't know what's going to go on with that.
1: You know, Anthony, I'm sure you watched the fight last night. Did anything surprise you at all from last night with regards to what had happened?
4: Yeah, I mean, there was a couple good fights. Uh, the fact that Chad Mendes came back after basically over two years suspension, which I thought was like one of the most ridiculous suspensions ever. You know, the guy is not a cheater at all. And it was actually from a cream that you saw to, like picked him up on just because he defend, didn't defend himself. He got over two years of suspension. But I'm happy to see that he came back. He looked amazing yesterday, and also his teammate Sage Northcutt. His first time fighting with Team Alpha Male was yesterday at 170. He looks fantastic at 170. He's been fighting at 155. It's been a little hit or miss, but he'll he'll agree in the bigger in the bigger weight.
0: Anthony, this is Sean. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, pal. Um, so Daniel Cormier, two way champion, obviously last week winning there. What are your th- um what are- what were your thoughts on that win and do you see the Brock Lesnar fight happening anytime soon? There's a
4: couple of things that are going on with that. So, what I want to say, first of all, if if two-way champion could happen to anyone, DC is the man that deserves it. That guy is a grinder. He's a fighter. He's a company guy, a family guy. He's the greatest of the great. And what he did it's it actually, he called it out like a week prior what he exactly was going to do. Stephen Miocic was one of the greatest heavyweights. They actually had the longest reigning uh, title defenses for heavyweight. So now you have Daniel Cormier that comes in there and he called it out saying that I'm going to get this guy on a clinch and he keeps his hands down a little too low coming out of the clinch. And what the clinch is is when you're locked up with another fighter and you get knees, you get elbows. But as he pushes him away, he noticed that Stephen Miocic keeps his hands a little further away than normal. So he doesn't protect his chin at all. And that's exactly when DC went and went for the knockout. And I, I did not see that happening. Especially a guy going in at 5'10", 5'11", against a monster like Stephen Miocic. So, I mean, that's probably one of the greatest, greatest fights I've seen with that. But the whole thing with Brock Lesnar is kind of kind of a bit of a fiasco, if you ask me. It goes completely against the rankings. I mean, there's a lot of guys that deserve it. But also at the same time, if you're looking from a business standpoint, even though UFC is... A sports, you know, how you want to call it, but it also is for entertainment as well. So when you have the opportunity to have somebody like Brock Lesnar come back, even though he just served a long suspension ever since failing a drug test and popping for a tremendous amount of PEDs. I mean, he was on stuff that basically makes your head grow against Mark Hunt. So uh, it's it's a little weird. And the the only thing that I really feel like it's affecting in this whole, uh, whole thing is that USADA is really not doing their job. They're popping everyone left and right. But how is somebody like Brock Lesnar can come back in? And you know the guy's used to the gills, but he's able to go around the whole system and, and beat the system and still fight on PEDs. So that's the only thing I see negative with this whole thing too. Even though I, I, I believe that Daniel Cormier deserves this, uh, it's the fight he wants. It's his money day. I mean, he's going to retire in March. As soon as he said like he's turning 40, he's done. So I, I believe he. if anyone deserves it, he deserves it, especially the fact that he agreed to fight fu- uh, – Defend his white heavyweight championship and the heavyweight championship, but I just don't know how this really working with the whole Usada thing. Especially someone that keeps on popping and then you know it's on the juice and able to come back like that. That's the one thing I see wrong with this whole situation.
0: Interesting take there. So I'm a so I've recently got into MMA. When I first got into MMA, a uh, UFC. There was someone by the name of John's Bones Jones and and Anthony and, you know, I watched him fight and he beat, you know, guys, Kokomiye and, you know, other guys like that. Obviously, he's tested positive for things and he's had, you know, some problems outside of the ring. Do you see him ever coming back? And if you do, do you think he can be as effective now as he was then? I believe so. I believe, honestly, he's going to come back.
4: Because the way that the suspension is running and, you know, the way that they're looking for certain things, the way that they explain what he's been caught on is something that has to be in your system for multiple months in order for it to be effective. Mm -hmm. So what they caught him is they did a test right before the fight. It was clean. And then they did a test after the fight and they saw it was dirty. So a time frame doesn't really make any sense where the PDs would actually do anything to help you in the scenario because that's something that has to be in your system for a long period of time to actually work and you have to be on plenty of cycles for it to actually work and it's not something that's very common either so in the world of supplements there's been many many cases of tainted supplements because what they do is there's no regulatory in a lot of these supplements that you get from GNC, vitamin shop, and they make all these supplements in the same jars and they don't clean them out. So it's something they can make with creatine that they don't really test to see if there's illegal substances in there. And they'll keep on putting those batches in the same containers they're making the same things over. And it's happened many times. There's a fighter by the name of Josh Barnett that actually had a puff and he was a clean fighter and they tested a brand new container, the containers that he had for supplements. And then they still found out that the, there was tainted supplements. And that's actually what they're thinking might be going on with John Bones Jones. So even though it's been about a year now that he's been out of the game, so he might actually have time served against the USADA. But the, going back with the whole USADA thing, that's that's what's kind of weird about this whole scenario. They'll pop everybody from a cream or a vitamin or something. But then you have somebody like Brock Lesnar going back to the full circle that is obviously on straight-up testosterone at at his age. I believe he's like 41 or 42. There's no way in human possible a man could be that big at that age. Like, he's on stuff that makes your head grow, that body parts that shouldn't even be that big, and he's somehow finding a way to get around the system. Like, he was tested positive, and still was able to fight against Mark Hunt at UFC 200, beat him, and got tested again and was still positive. But that's how he gets around the system. So the whole USADA thing is a little... A little funky right now, especially the fact that they're popping good fighters for things. Like, actually, the fighter from last night, Junior Santos, he had to come back from a team to supplement as well. And he was not able to fight because the problem with USADA also is that you're not sounded, you're guilty. What's that term again? It's like you're innocent until proven guilty. But with USADA, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. So, even though you you find yourself innocent, you're, you're still not eligible to fight. You're not allowed to be in the arena, you're not allowed to be anywhere else. And that's actually another reason why the whole Brock Lesnar thing is actually a little funky. There's been scenarios where Josh Barnett was not able to corner people. Nick Diaz wasn't able to be inside the arena for Nate Diaz. There's been so many supplements like that, but Brock Lesnar was able to be in the arena when he's still a pop fighter. So it just shows like where, where it goes and how the money situation goes and, and the power that some of these people have. So I just feel like it has to be a go around fair. For everybody. And if it's John Boles-Jones, if it's Chad Mendes, Junior Los Santos, or even Brock Lesnar, it should all be the same for everybody. And that's what I feel like with that. I gotcha.
1: Now, ever since talking about WWE star trying to come back in and Brock Lesnar, one MMA star goes to WWE, and Ronda Rousey, right? Yeah. You have Holly Holm, obviously, doing her thing. Where do you see the women's division going you know, obviously, well, the
4: it's,
1: obviously it's the going up. The women's division is so. pretty
4: good right now. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like where it's going, even though I I feel like eventually Amanda Nunes is going to be, um, people are going to figure her out eventually. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the the one, the strawweight division is probably one of the most stacked divisions in the u s c Like you have fighters up and down that thing that are just awesome to watch. And I, I feel like no matter what, like the women's divisions are just growing and growing. You got, you got the 125 division that just opened up now. You got the Bantamweight at 135. And now you even have Chris Cyborg at the 145 division. And the fighters that are coming out of there now that the story to bring up finally from Invicta and, uh, you know, other organizations now, like you just had Megan Anderson fight Holly Holm for the first non title 145 division fight. And I, and I feel like eventually it's starting to grow and grow and grow. And, you know, it's, it's becoming really awesome now. Because I felt like before you had Ronda Rousey, who was just a dominant force, but it was also a force that no one really figured out yet. And, you know, with her, with her judo background, it was not something that was very common to the fighting world, especially in UFC. So she was able to get those early submissions. But once people figured out her boxing skills, that's when it kind of went downhill a little bit. Because not only is she getting exposed, the fighters that are coming up now are just getting better and better. It's better.
2: scarier.
4: Yeah, like you have somebody like Thug Rose. You never thought her, her being a champion. She really uh, defended that title. Yeah, so the, it's crazy what the women's division's going.
1: Oh, it's absolutely crazy, especially now. The girls are getting they're getting better. They look like they're they're much more uh, brolic and more stronger than the men. They look like you know it's crazy what what they're feeding them and you know feeding feeding. Them so
4: yeah, it's also it's also the technique too. You're looking at the, the footwork, the way that their hands are moving. You know the fact that there's a lot more people practicing and everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Back
4: you know a little while ago at usc you had you know you originally want to start it. You had people starting off like the, I'm a judo background, jiu-jitsu background, striking background, muay thai background. Mm-hmm. But now everyone's becoming a full full round fighter. So right. everyone's getting there, and everyone's becoming a black belt, and every aspect of sport from Judo to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, ranking up Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing. So just where the sport is going now, it's pretty crazy. you're seeing how everyone's starting to evolve. Like there's, there's fighters that are up and coming right now that you're just looking at them. You're like, wow, yes. how, how is some, some of these guys able to do this? And you're seeing a lot of these guys that are like, that are just sticking to one aspect They're starting to deplete now. And the more all around fighters are just going through the rankings really, really quickly.
1: You know what? You wanna know what's crazy, dude? I'm watching. I'm reading, and I'm seeing that it, it was it was broadcasted in I, Idaho yesterday, of all places, yeah. Idaho. Boys. The fr- first time ever that a UFC MMA fight was ever at, at in Idaho. You know?
4: Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a pretty fun fight too. It was pretty stacked card. Uh, uh, there was a lot of interesting fights too. Actually, speaking of the women's division too, Tessa uh, and She had a amazing win, which, which i believe that she needed really badly to come back around and finally prove herself again mm-hmm. um i don't know if you're aware but canton gano just she has like the craziest life and been through the worst and and just to see her go through and power through everything and still fighting still pushing and still taking care of her family it's yeah. very inspiring mm-hmm. very very inspiring and i'm very happy she won yesterday
1: that's that's crazy that's really really crazy and inspiring that you know you mentioned that um anthony just uh one quick question for you, and then sure. we'll we'll let you go. You know, I know you're a busy man. Um, preview the next fight for us and, you know, tell us what, what's going to happen with regards to who might fight, who's going to be on the card, and everything like that. So the floor is all yours right now, Anthony.
4: Well, for the next card, you got Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, which is going to be an awesome fight the, between the two of them and the grudge matches that they have. I feel like that's going to be a, an excellent fight to watch. But there's only... One little thing that's kind of a little iffy on that whole fight is the fact that Demetrius Johnson's also on that card, too. Mm-hmm. And that's a fight that every MMA fan has been wanting to see, the super fight between TJ Doshaw and Demetrius Johnson. But there's always excuses and around. And Don't get me wrong, Demetrius Johnson, the stuff this guy pulls off is insane. But, you know, coming off the shoulder surgery and but now the fact that both fighters are on the same card coming up next month and not fighting each other. That just blows my mind a little bit. I, I wish that was something that I could have worked out and make it happen against the 135 champion and the 125 champion at, at the 125 mark. So you could have had another opportunity where somebody could have been a two-way champion as well. That would have been pretty good. And another thing that's coming up with two-way champions speaking of which, it's uh we're waiting to hear the final decision on Amanda Nunez versus Chris Cyborg. So you have the 135 division versus the 145 champion. And that's another fight that's very, very interesting to see. Especially Chris Cyborg, the dominant force that she is, just Going through the competition, left and right, very, very technical, strong, crazy fighter.
1: That's that's something to really look forward to for the next fight, bro. I got one more question for you, actually two more. Sure. Number one, how did you get into MMA? Because you, you know, obviously we we know that we're huge Islanders fans, but how did you get into MMA so so much? You know. <laughs>
4: it was something I always had a passion about. I've been watching since like the earlier days with Chuck Liddell, and, you know, Tito Ortiz, um, and just over time, it's, and then actually contributing to the sport and starting in the fight and, uh, uh, going to Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and, you know, really loving the sport. And it's actually, I mean, what you learn is a lot of these guys aren't just the, the broad guys you see on TV, just screaming and yelling at each other. There's, there's a science to it and a lot of hard work and dedication. It's just something you, you just have to admire, especially the fact that like, not only you're defending hands, but you're defending kicks, you're defending the takedown, you're defending the clinch, you're defending the ground game, you're defending everything, and it's just all around probably the craziest sport and the hardest sport, and probably the most beautiful sport you can possibly imagine.
1: That's that's absolutely insane, right there, man. You know how how much work and how much uh, dedication that most of these MMA guys put in, and to see them succeed is absolutely unbelievable. Anthony, thank you for coming on to the show, pal. You're always welcome on. Thank to you the so show. much for having me. Anytime, Thank you, man. buddy. Appreciate you. Anytime. Thank you so much again. Have a good day, guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Anthony. That was Anthony Granbo, MMA enthusiast and Blue and Orange Army fanatic. I'm gonna be with him. He's been a long time season ticket holder with the Islanders for a very long time. Really nice guy. When when you get to you know know him and everything like that, so Anthony. Once again, thank you for coming on. Shout out to you. Kudos to you for coming on. And, you know, we got to it, – it's going to be awesome with the capital A.
0: I can't wait. So. Definitely, definitely. Well, so World Cup, check. Hockey, check. MMA. MMA, check. check. We got some baseball teams. Yes. and the uh, city of uh, New York. Um, both of them had uh, crazy weeks, to uh, uh, say the least. Both teams are – well, obviously, the whole uh, league is wrapping up the first half today as the All-Star festivities will get started later today and tomorrow and Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. Will, let's start with the Yankees. Like always. Let's start with the Yankees. Um, In Cleveland, wrapping up a four-game set, lost the first game, won Friday, won Saturday. We'll, uh, the state of the Yankees at the end of the first half is blank. The state of the Yankees is like this, Okay.
1: It's – with the offensive juggernaut that they've had, we've kind of sort of somewhat expected them to produce the runs and the home runs and everything like that, right? The starting pitching, it is what it is with regards to Luis Severino being the all-star ace that he is. CC Sabathia having a kind of a surprising year so far to say the very renaissance. least. The renaissance, exactly, mm-hmm. from where he was three to four years ago. With his whole uh, alcoholic uh, incident with him. And you didn't think that he would come back the way how he did and finish up his contract the way how he did. And then he signed a one-year deal to say, you know what? We're going to win a World Series here. I'm going to stay. So that's good with him. Jordan Montgomery, he's out in the DL with Tommy John surgery. He was another young guy that the Yankees obviously miss right now. Um, You know, Masahiro Tanaka has been up and down. And... You know, we talk about an up-and-down pitcher, a guy like Sonny Gray that they got at the training deadline last year from Oakland. My goodness. Talk about inconsistencies. One game, he'll give you eight innings, go out strong, and and pitch strong, and pitch crazy, and pitch unbelievable. And then the next, th- in the next game, the next three to four games, it's, oh, you know— the whole the whole sky's falling down whenever he's pitching, but he's got he's got the stuff and he's got the goods in order to you know pass on, you know to be a very good starter, which is unbelievable. My thing is, and my take is, back in Oakland, Oakland had all that foul territory over at the at the Coliseum, mm-hmm. so in essence, you can get away with that. You can get away with fouling a ball off, and you know the field that could go out and catch it 60 feet away because of the because of the uh the way how the ballpark was designed to be also a football stadium too and one of the last stadiums to be a both football and baseball venue yep. now with that being said he comes over here now you are giving batters more of an opportunity now okay that that same fly ball that that was hit foul that got caught is now in the stands as a foul ball and the dimensions are obviously smaller. Pitchers don't fare well at the new stadium, but something's got. I think the All Star break is something that Sonny Gray desperately needed to have, and he pitched a great game in Baltimore the couple of days ago, where he what did he do? He went six innings. He gave up like one or two earned. You know, something that was like wow. You know, really eye opening. So maybe he could build on that. But the Yankees do need starting pitching in in a bad way. Talk about the Orioles again. They were involved in Manny Machado talks. Right now, obviously, I didn't understand it at first, but you know what? I kind of do now after seeing what Miguel Andujar is. He's a great hitter. I like his hitting. I like his style of play. But ultimately, he's not hes not somebody that I would want at third base, you know, down the stretch. I don't know. That's just me. But I think he's a great player, regardless of the fact where he is, who who he plays for, whatever. He's... He, Miguel Andujar has been playing absolutely great. Gleyber Torres, another guy, has been playing absolutely great. He went on the deal with a hip flexor, I think. And now he looks like he's he's just about... He's going to come back right after the All-Star play. He was named an All-Star, coming off as a reserve. And then Jed Lowry will get to the All-Stars in a second. But, uh, you know, it, it's crazy, to say the very least. What, what kind of... Uh, what kind of uh, production he has put up. Almost like a, a Chris Bryant type of production when he came up in 2015. Being that being that piece, he'll probably win Rookie of the Year, Glaber Torres. And, you know, down the road we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, the bullpen has been great. You, that's something that's been expected to. Obviously, Tobin Canley went down. He went down to the minors. He came back up. He's been on the DL. David Robertson has kind of lost a step or two, but he still has that great cut fastball and the curveball in his favor, working for him. Uh, Rollis Chapman throwing hundred miles an hour every every night, being unhittable, and the the New York kid from Washington Heights, Dylan Betances, my goodness, another guy pitching great out of the bullpen. But we all we all knew to expect this, and Chad Green too, another guy. So you have five guys coming out of that bullpen, and Aaron Boone, you know. At the beginning of the year, we talked about this, Sean and I, talking about how the Yankees were Joe Girardi's team last year, and then he ran the team, and now Boone coming in, kind of almost like a puppet master in a sense, where he was a puppet coming down from uh, Cashman, Cashman playing the, uh, the strings a little bit, but Boone's been managing the team really good, he knows how to relate with his young players, he's been there, he's been in the locker room, he... He knows what he's doing, and you know that's that's pretty much about it. But as far as the Yankees go, I think right now they're going to need an underrated starting pitcher. And coming out of reports today, it looks like that they're not going to get rid of their top guns for a guy like a Manny Machado or even a guy like a Jacob deGrom. I think they're going to stand pat, try to get maybe a Cole Hamels, a J.A. Happ, maybe look somewhere in the Padres organization for pitching – Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Maybe even, uh, there, there was also another, another team too, I think. Maybe the Rays, if I'm not mistaken. But even, even the Giants, they were, they were even talking about Mad Bum. They need, they need an underrated starter. That's what they need. But the Yankees so far have been playing good. They've been stringing out wins. They've been winning series. Obviously today they, they lost 5-2 to Cleveland, which was crazy within itself, um, and then they wound up splitting the series against Baltimore, two games to two. After having a doubleheader, losing the first game, which was crazy within itself.
0: So they had a week full uh, of uh, splits. They played eight eight games, split two with split four with two, uh, Baltimore, four with uh, Cleveland. So. Right, and they yeah. won, and they
1: won the series up in Toronto. So right, right now, I think. They're looking good, but again, Boston keeps on winning. Boston's unbelievable right now, too. So that's the problem, you know. And we keep Not on mentioning that Boston it. Boston is
0: in first. The first now. So
1: they're three and a half games out. The Yankees, but they've they've been they've been crazy. It's been crazy to say the very least. Crossing over the river right now with your Mitchell. And what's your synopsis on the first half New York Metropolitans of twenty eighteen?
0: July they've been playing better. They're uh, seven and six. Um, I know that's not you know uh, whoop-de-do um, a record, but you know it's better than what we've been doing. Obviously, the month of May didn't go our way. June was a horrible month um, f- uh, for us. I think you know. Listen, the Mets will—they keep getting bite by the injury bug. They keep getting bitten by the injury bug, and um, you know when Syndergaard is out, and Cespedes is out, and Syndergaard came back yesterday. He came back uh, Friday. He pitched really, really well. But, you know, he was out since May. And, um, you know, Cespedes, the same thing. When you were out, you know, two of your best, three players or four players, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's going to be very hard to win games. And, you know, it the it shows how much of a bat Cespedes is. The Mets can't score. You know, they score at a decent clip when, he, when he's there. When he's not there, they have no chance. Like yesterday, they won 7-4, and I was like, seven runs? How? how, how? Like, we can actually... Like, do this? So, you know, Mickey is, is he's getting a lot of blame. He's going to get a lot of blame. You know, listen, well, like every first year, Skipper does. Aaron Boone has had this. Other people have had this as well. You're going to make some mistakes. Has he made some mistakes? Of course. We'll both have mistakes. But, well, I could honestly say every fifth day, with the exception of Jason v- v- Vargas, who's on the disabled list, Every the the Mets staff has given them a chance to win. Wheeler's looked really really good. He did as well uh, yesterday. Seven and two thirds. Mats has looked really really well. Right. Syndergaard. I know he was hurt Friday. He came back. He pitched well. And Degrom has been. It's hard to call someone an ace of a staff when they only have six wins. But I mean, he he's he's now second in the in the majors with his NERA. ERA. So you know. I mentioned it last week too with Degrom. It's
1: unbelievable what Jason DeGrom has been doing. Jacob DeGrom, excuse me, has been doing. He's putting up numbers that Clayton Kershaw did 5 years ago on a on an equally worse team. And if he got the support that he would, it's just it, it's going to be it, it, it's unbelievable right now with what DeGrom has been doing. Same thing with Senegard. Senegard's been on the DL, but uh you know, it, it's just unbelievable what's been going
0: on over in Queens. The one thing I will say, Brandon Nemo was a first-round pick. He's turned out to be pretty, pretty good. You know, um, you know, uh, Mickey keeps on, you know, uh, moving him first or third or, you know, second or eighth. You know, he, he keeps on moving him down. But, you know, he's playing really, really well. Um, I like that. Conforto, he's hot and cold. But, you know, that's every uh, slugger for you. They're going to have their, their hot days, their hot weeks, their cold days, their cold weeks. Um, The catching situation, I think, has been uh, stabilized. Meza, Rocco, he's doing his thing. Plo Wecky as well. Um, the thing with me is the Mets either have to commit to, you know, well, the the issue, the it, the problem that the Mets have is they're stuck. And when I say stuck is because they're only 9, nine ten games out of the division, which is a whole lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. However, they're still bringing in older guys like the Adrian Gonzalez, even though he's going... Jose Batista who's actually playing really, really well. And I think the Mets have to un- have to really sit down and think, are we rebuilding or are we gonna try and win now? So, you know, the, the the you know it it's kind of a tough situation to be in, but the division has definitely come back to them when two or three, four weeks from now it looked really dim that they could even sniff eighty one and in 81, you know what I'm saying? It's well, right now
1: it's not really looking that good either for the Mets. They're losing 6 to 1 to Washington in the top of the night. That game was in a rain delay to start off. Right. And as far as their record goes, they're 39 and 54, Sean. I think they're unless something really miraculous happens for them, you know, nothing nothing's going to happen for this team. Of course. Of you course, know, you know, they, it's it's the Mets for the, all we care.
0: Right. And 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 that's the uh unfortunate part. So, you know, we we you know It'll be very interesting to see, you know, John uh, Rico. He's running the team now, so you know, does he stay? Does he go at the end of end of end of the year?
2: Yeah.
0: And you know, I think because of that uncertainty, I think that I I think that's why guard and the Grom stay. Wheeler and Mats could go. You've been hearing that as well. Um, I think Familiar will go at right. some point, but you know, um. In terms of the, in terms of those four guys, Wheeler, Mats, Sinigard, and Nagrom, I think the Wilpons will rather wait till a new Gentleman GM that comes, in. comes in yeah, and, yeah, I and see then that. tries to access it because they've made it clear they're going to look outside the organize, uh, organization. So why yeah. would they trust someone that could be outgoing, right? Like John Ricco, maybe with such a big decision, yeah, uh, like that. So, well, long story short. My outlook for the Mets is, you know, you started off hot. You know, you're not one of the worst teams in baseball. It's unfortunate, but, you know, you, you don't use injuries and inexperience and from the skipper standpoint as an excuse. But you know what? That's what they've had. Their roster isn't as talented as a Yankee, as a Red Sox, as a, you know what I'm saying, um... Uh, 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 Cleveland. So yeah, you know we 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 we'll, we'll see what the second half holds, but obviously you said it again for the seventh time. We'll see. We shall see. Yes. Obviously a very dis- disappointing first half, but you know what? We have about you know seventy something games left in the second half. So you know.
1: well, Sean, let me ask you this now. Since we covered the Mets and the Yankees, we'll get back to the Yankees at the end. Who are your surprises so far for the whole MLB year?
0: Player or team? Anything. I'll give you one of one of each. Okay. The team that is playing extremely well that I, that you know, when it when started the season, I was like, who? Philly. Right. The Phillies are no, are leading the National League East. By when half the s- game. Right. When they signed Carlos Santana in the offseason, I was like, why would he go to Philly? When they signed Jake Arrieta in the offseason, I'm like, why is he going to Philly? I see Why? You know, they're young pieces, or obviously ready to go. Arietta, and the thing is, they signed Arietta, he isn't even the ace. He isn't even an all star. Aaron Nola is the ace, and he is also, and you know what I'm saying. He's on my fantasy team. And he's also, as you know what I'm saying. And All-Stars. So, you know, yeah. you know, Philly's definitely my surprise team. I, I think it's 1-1-A, them, and the Braves, only because well, everybody expected Washington to run away yeah. with the East. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So they're my uh, surprise team. My surprise player, mm-hmm. well, it may surprise you a little bit because I'm going to venture into your neck, neck of the woods okay. on your team. Okay. Everybody spoke about Stanton. Right. And Judge. Mm-hmm. Didi Mm -hmm. and Sanchez, Mm -hmm. nobody said Aaron Hicks. Nobody. Nobody said Aaron Hicks. And it's tough because, you know, sometimes players thrive on playing their position and then coming to bat. Aaron Boone has the – it's a good problem to have because you want Judge, Gardner, Hicks, and Stanton to all play their spots. Right. But you got to DH one of them Mm -hmm. almost every day, which is what – He's been trying uh, trying to do. But Aaron X he's having a hell of a year. Yes. He's played really, really well. If they bat him first, if they bat him second, if they bat him uh, towards the end. By Jacoby Ellsbury. Definitely by Jacoby Ellsbury. Mm. Who was that, well? You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I think he's had an amazing year. And only because he was not uh, – well, like we spoke about him the uh, um, uh, the last show. Right. When that trade was made, everybody said, why? Who? Aaron Hicks, why? And now he's my surprise player of the whole um, uh, Major League. So, shout out to Stan, man.
1: I'll tell you what, man. My surprise team, I mean, talk about the Phillies. How about the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners of the world? Seattle Seattle really still being in it. And they haven't made it to the postseason since 2001. Oakland, the money ball ball situation. (laughs) Well, Ichiro. Ichiro. Ichiro in his first year. You know, with Seattle, so you know to talk about their record has been uh, absolutely insane to say the very least. Um, you know they're fifty-eight and thirty-eight, and they're holding the second wild card spot right now. And Oakland, they're right there too. They're only four games out of that second wild card spot, and they've been going on crazy winning streaks like crazy. And the managers, again, Scott Servais, to do the the job that he's been doing. My goodness, you know. To put out that lineup every night, and especially to lose Robinson Cano to an eighty-game suspension at the with the whole steroid, PED, uh, thing—it's just been absolutely mind-boggling what he does. And you know, to to quote the the great John Sterling, you can't predict baseball. You cannot. You most certainly cannot. And a surprising player, a surprising player for me. My goodness, I mean. Who's been playing great? I mean, gotta go with Max Monsey. Dodgers. I mean, last year, the guy wasn't even a thought of with Oakland. He had just grounding out a lot of I seen a breakdown of him on MLB Network and how he fixed up his swing and how he uh how he changed his whole uh approach at the plate. My goodness. Now he's at in the home run derby. You know, and he's about to do his. Which I would
0: definitely watch, and that's tomorrow. tomorrow. I'll definitely watch that tomorrow.
1: We'll get more into that in a little bit, but you know, my goodness, it's been absolutely unbelievable what's been going
0: on with him. So, see. well, who was your disappointments so Dis- far? Disappointments, team, team, and player. Uh, I could give you mine if you want to. We'll go with you first. My disappointing team will end. It 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 is not necessarily a disappointment. It's more of those. You know, when when you make moves and you go out and you sign guys, you kind of expect more. Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They're always spending money. When they spend money and they make trades and obviously Shea Hey, or and all the type of stuff, you know, well, Houston, we know, they're going to be good, great for a long time. Right. Well, I think the second team in the West, everybody thought was going to be Anaheim. You just said two other teams not named. Anaheim. Right. <laughs> so, definitely them. And, you know, Mike, I can see why they don't want to fire you social. your social. But to me, it's like, you know, you could only, you know, the World Series was a long time ago. 2002. <laughs> you know I'm saying it was a long
1: Middle time ago. Middle of the decade, in 2000 was, of those 2000 teams,
0: was also a long, long time ago. A long time ago. So, you know, I think definitely a change of voice is, uh, is definitely needed there. So, then my disappointment there. My disappointing player, and, well, I went to your neck of the woods for the surprising player so far. I got to go to my neck of the woods for disappointing a player. I understand he's hurt. But this is an ongoing thing with Yo. Yoannis, says, I understand he's hurt. So I'm going to preface my comment by saying that first. But he's not around. He's doing his own thing. He's training elsewhere. You know, when guys are hurt, they're showing up to BP, to train, to get this right. and that. And it's like when a franchise has invested millions, 126 of them mm-hmm. in you, I think you owe that franchise your everything. Mm-hmm. And Will, I understand he's hurt again, but he's given us nothing in terms of off the field. And you know what I'm saying? And and I think, you know, you the, the Mets had to resign him. You know, you got him, you made the World Series, the half season, you got him. In the full season, he was there. You made the uh, playoffs again. So, of course, you had to give him the money. But, well, I am i don't want to break any news here, you know what I'm saying? But if the Mets were to trade him in the offseason, I won't be mad at all. Because, you know, I, I, well, I honestly don't think he's that hurt where he can't play. Well, I just think he says, you know what? I have $126 million in the bank. My team is 39 and 54. What am I playing? Right. right. And I think that's the an attitude that he has, and we don't need that type of guy here. So he's definitely my. Again, I know he's hurt, but he's my disappointment, player wise.
1: Breaking news Yankees option Clint Frazier to AAA.
0: It's Grant Wilkes Barr.
1: So looks like he's going to go back in. That's. Something that's He's been a, a, a up and he, down. So he, Well, that's that's our management, really. Right. The, he, that's not his fault, per right, se. Right, right, He's right, a right, great right. talent. But my disappointments, disappointing team. There's a lot of teams to talk about here. <laughs> I mean, we could go on with the White Sox with the trades that they made, trying to get younger and trying to get all these best prospects and everything like that. But you, you talk about Toronto, another team that just let go, that still has to deal with Troy Tulitsky and – they, they still have all, all those pieces and everything like that over there. Uh, but I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to say the Baltimore Orioles. They have the worst record in all of the league. And not only that, but they're paying an exuberant amount of money to guys like Chris Davis, Adam Jones. Manny Machado is their only best player out there right now. And their pitching situation has been absolutely atrocious, to say the very least. And Buck Showalter is still a manager there. So that goes to show you what's, what's been – it's crazy to see a manager like that of his caliber wasting away in Baltimore in a, in a totally bad situation where they spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money on, the, on, on these guys, you know, and they haven't been producing. So, you know, something's got to happen with them. They got to get at least a couple of pitching prospects back. They got to get younger The scouting department over there has got to do something, but something's got to give. And Baltimore is my disappointing team because there is no way that when you're spending that amount of money on players like that, they should have
0: more wins than where they are right now. Baltimore's issue, Will, is they invested millions in Davis, millions in Machado, millions in Jones. They did not invest millions in their pitching. And to me, that's a problem. They've had a good bullpen arms. They've traded some. They've released some. Yeah. Some have left. But, right. You know, they had that big three. And then you had Scope and Hardy was there. Weeders was there. And, you know. Tim Beckham, too, another guy that they Tim traded. Tim Beckham, they traded. Right. And, you know, to me, you know, they just didn't get the pitchers. You know, and, 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 you know, well, we've seen it time and time again. If, you know, Houston, is a star. Correa's a star. Bregman is on the verge, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. There's teams that, okay, you have stars and, you know, but, well, look what the Astros did. They won the championship.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What did they upgrade, Will? Pitching. Bingo. <laughs> Starting pitching because that's what you win with. <laughs> that's Timely what you win and, with. Timely hitting and great pitching. Hugh Darvish, Game 7 of the World Series, bombed, stunk up the joint. Right. That just proved there that pitching. And the Orioles, when they when they were competing with the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Sox a few years ago, that was opportunity to make trades. That was an opportunity to sign guys, you know, to that staff, to that pen. They feared to do so. And now, Will, they have to trade Machado to get something for him. They're they, going to have to. They won't get a lot because, you know— Machado isn't guaranteed to resign with that team that they trade him to. Right. Adam Jones, a free agent, he's the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to trade him. You know, Davis, that contract is untradeable, mm-hmm. so he's not going uh, uh, anywhere. But, well, I definitely uh, agree. They're the worst team in baseball for a reason. Yes, <laughs> they are. And they have way too much talent on that team to be that. So. Yeah,
1: and then on top of that, too, my disappointing player, Jacoby Ellsbury. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go a couple of ways with this, you know, but my God, this guy is getting paid seven years, almost LeBron James type money, you know, since 2014 and last year he had an okay year and then, yeah, I get it too. He's hurt, but something else is going on over there in that Yankee clubhouse. There's, there's gotta be something, you know what I mean? Something else has gotta be up with him. You could talk about injuries all you want. Yeah, you can't predict injuries. I, you know, I really wish Jacoby the best up in the Bronx. But you know, my goodness, you know, there's you, you're getting paid X amount of money, you know, and he has, and he's not even in Boone's plans at all
0: or anything like that. Something's got to give with this guy. I mean, he's not in Boone's plans for a reason. A reason. Stanton, Gardner, Hicks, Judge, right? But at the same time, Will, Frazier, Frazier. At the same time. Every great executive in sports has one or two, you know, a few deals over their course of, you know, reign that they regret. Ellsbury has to be one of those. He's got to be top five. (laughs) Uh, uh, Top five. Kevin Brown was another one, so on and so forth. Carl Pavano. Carl Pavano. The list goes on and on. Right. But, you know, Ellsbury has because he left the enemy. He left the Red Sox to come to you. Big free agent signing, him a boatload of money. And at the time, I was really all for that move. But now... Especially with the new Yankee Stadium and
1: the short porch in right field. Well, it's not only that. The way how they won the World Series in 2013, they had two guys in Ellsbury being the starter, you know, being the catalyst. Mm. And then you had the likes of uh, young Xander Bogarts and Shane Victorino... Get up there, base hits. That's what you. That's what you do. You get right. on base, and you let the heavy, the big boppers, and Mike Napoli's and David Ortiz's drive you in. Back in that year in 2013, I get that and I understand that. But you know, and this, those Yankee teams in 2014 and 2015, they didn't have the the big boppers that they do now. Right. So that that's just no, my, my nobody point. knew of Sanchez and Judge. Um, yeah. Nobody. i was <laughs> saying so, yeah, man. So. We got our disappointments. We got our surprises. We got we had our breakout stars. We're gonna go with the all stars right now in their selections. Okay. Obviously Judge is in, Mookie Betts is in. The guy that I'm surprised that didn't make it was Andrew Benintendi. He's not in. You know, J right? From Seattle. From Seattle is in. But the, the, the snubs. I mean Blake Snell was the snake. Blake he, Snell. He, he won he wound up getting in. Right. I know. He wound know. up getting in. The guys that got in that are that are on this list. That happened today, I believe. Yadier Molina went in for Buster Posey. Jed Lowry wound up going for Glavio Torres. No Ross Stripling from the Dodgers, great reliever, goes in for Miles Mikolas. Zach Greinke from the Diamondbacks winds up replacing John Lester. Jeremy Jeffress, great name. Goes in for Sean Doodle. Sean Doodle had a great tweet. Yeah, he did. Did you see that I one? Did. That was With the smash good. mouth? Smash mouth, right? Hey, guys, you got to say it. What? I'm an all-star. <laughs> hey, now, you're <laughs> hey, an all-star. Star. Get your game <laughs> on. Go play. Who else? You have Blake Snell replacing Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber, right. uh, Charlie Morton replaces Aroldis Chapman, which is also a good move for a Yankee fan not seeing Aroldis Chapman in the all-star game. And is he hurt or just one of, uh, one of those things where it's like? I, I think it's one of those things. You know, I think that's one of those things where he's just going to probably get a couple of days off and because of the workload and everything like that. So, good for him. He deserves a rest. And even a guy like Morton, too, deserves going to the All-Star game. He does. And, and Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes Indians going in, culture, right? Yes. Goes in and
0: he replaces Wilson Ramos, who's probably going to go on the DL with an injury. He's, I mean... Don't you think the Nationals would love to have him now? Oh. The Nationals let him walk because they wanted to sign Matt Wheaters. Holy smokes. I, and that's something I never understood <laughs> really either. You know what I mean?
1: Matt Wheaters number one overall pick was supposed to be the the face that changed Baltimore around. He and was then, with them with them too, right? Right. And then he wound up walking, you know, to to Washington and to see that happen is just absolutely unbelievable.
0: And Ramos was I was happy to see him go. He was a Mets killer. Yeah. He destroyed the Mets. I mean, it was really, really uh, crazy. You know, it's crazy to say the very least what had happened over
1: there with regards to what Weeders has been going through. But to oh, – just want to mention a couple of things yesterday with regards to Sabathia. And they were talking about the whole – A.J. Pruszynski was talking about how CC should be in the Hall of Fame. What about Mike Messina? What about Mike Messina? Why don't you put him Moose. in the Hall of Fame? You know, put him in the Hall of Fame. Moose. But he, they also brought up another stat here. 525 starts, 240-plus wins, 2,500 strikeouts, 21 seasons, Cy Young and World Series title. Only eight pitchers, including CC Sabathia, have done that. I'll read you off the names. Steve Carlton, Greg Maddox, Roger Cummins, who's not in the Hall of Fame for obvious reason, which he should be, put in a different way, but whatever. CC Sabathia, Tom Seaver, Tom Glavin, Randy Johnson, and Warren Spahn. Okay? Crazy. And then... Talking about yesterday too trade when CC went over from the Indians to the Brewers, they wound up trading Matt Laporta, Rob Bryson, Zach J- Jackson, and a player to be named later. Guess who that player to be named later was? Michael Brantley. Mm. You know, and then he's the only one that worked out. That's <laughs> crazy. And then talking about yesterday with regards to CC Sabathia, just to throw it out there, and Clevenger, they they had. Equally good games for them, but Yankees. That was yesterday. yesterday's. Now Yankees lost five two, but yesterday Sabathia pitched really good, five and two thirds innings, four hits, four runs, four earned runs, uh, two walks and two strikeouts. Clevenger, I think he's Jacob Degrom, mini version of Jacob Degrom. He uh, definitely took
0: Jacob Degrom's hair.
1: Yes, <laughs> he definitely took the hair. You know, the tattoos and everything like that mm-hmm. talk about a guy like Robert Gazellman, too. He mm-hmm. went six innings, pitched seven, gave up seven hits. Four earned runs on five runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. Talking about a guy like that, just unbelievable what they did over there. And then, just to to touch back on the uh, the All Star situation, you have Judge, you have Betts, you have uh, Freddie Freeman in the NL. Freddie Freeman's been having a great year. I think he's been
0: the uh, MVP probably.
1: Yeah, especially (laughs) with what's been going on. MVP probably with regards to the. With regards to the uh, the whole Brave situation, moving them into the into the new ballpark Mm -hmm. there last year, he's the face of that franchise for sure. But the situation goes like this with the NL All Stars: Wilson Contreras at catcher, the aforementioned Freeman at first, Javi Baez at second base. What a great second baseman he is! Yep, Nolan Arenado, another guy, great third baseman. The best in the game right now. Brandon Crawford, one of the best shortstops in the league. Bryce Harper. I he's there. He's there because he's Washington. And he's the of face. Course. Nick Marcakis, another guy. Well deserved. How long is he been waiting be for? He was on Orioles teams. We he, forget.
0: We forget about that too. And Matt Kemp. Bounce back here. He I mean, needed Matt to Kemp. go back home. Go back home, obviously, has helped him
1: out some. In the AL, you have Wilson Ramos, that catcher, Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, the aforementioned Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. Yep. And J.D. Martinez. The starters. Yes, those well are your starters. Guys. The reserves, J.D. Realmudo, Paul Goldschmidt, deservingly
0: so, Joey Votto. He's on off. Off. Paul Goldschmidt in the past five, six weeks has been on a tear. He has been. Remember, there. he started off horrible.
1: Yep. <laughs> Ozzy Abilis, another guy, too, from Atlanta. He's, he's going to be a star. Scooter Jeanette. He went. He came from Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the Reds, and he's playing well. Yeah, Werner Suarez from the Reds. From the Reds, playing great on a bad team, albeit Trevor Story from the Colorado Rockies, Lorenzo
0: Cain and Christian Yelich, Brew Crew guys, first place a Brew Crew. I think Chicago's in first place. Yes, yes, they are. They are.
1: And then for your AL, you have Salvy Perez, Mitch Moreland, Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor. Brantley, the player to be named later, mm-hmm. Shinsu Chu, Mitch Haniger, deserved George Springer
0: and Nelson Cruz. Shinsu Chu was an, an, another guy. He signed a big deal, and finally, finally, even though he's on a bad team, finally, he, it's starting to look like uh, he's earning that uh, paycheck that he signed. Yes. Yeah, so you know he's been moved around. He went to
1: Texas, and then now he's over with, with Texas the, with the, the aforementioned Texas Rangers again. Mm-hmm. So. Just unbelievable what's been going on over there. And then the home run derby tomorrow. Sean, who do you got in your home run derby bracket?
0: You know, it's easy to take Bryce Harper because he knows the stadium, obviously. He knows where the ball's going to fly. The weather's supposed to be nice tomorrow in uh, Washington. I'm going to go with a sleeper, a guy that everybody was like, him? Why him? Why him? He's been on fire the past couple weeks, and I think he's going to continue it into tomorrow. Alex Bregman. Really? Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman. Oh, I'm man. gonna. Will, the last time I predicted a sleeper, who was it, well. France. Bingo. France. <laughs> so I'm going to predict. Alex Bregman is going to shock some people. Well, Alex Bregman, if he was on another team, would probably be the f- best or second best player on that team. He's, he's overshadowed by four guys uh, on that team. Well, 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 three for a fact, but he's overshadowed by Springer, Atuve, Correa. Obviously, yeah, and then it's him. So you know, I think he's going to shock some people tomorrow. I think
1: tomorrow it's going to be a redemption story. Right now, I'm going to go with Kyle Schwarber. Mm. I think Schwarber's going to hit some bombs. He hit some bombs. I he's think hit. If, if when when, <laughs> when I seen him play at the 2015 NLCS in Game One, I remember one home run in particular he hit. He hit it all the way to center field home run apple at City Field. And it was a cold night at City Field too. I was like, me and my friend were like, did he really just hit that ball that far? <laughs> you know? Like it was it, no, I think it was to the bullpen's. Yeah, it was to the bullpens. It was to the bullpens by the straight bridge. And we we're looking and we we're like, Where where is this ball going landing? You know, really? like he has that that power. I think if he if he could connect to a ball, I think he'll definitely win out. Uh, I think guys like Alex Bregman are gonna look look at it and say, you know what, you know they they're looking to save it for the second half run for their respective ball clubs.
0: Shorter could as well, and he has an injury history, so you know what I'm saying. But that's a very a very a, a very good um pick. A, a there, he he's gonna hit some moonshots. Like he is built like an ox. He's gonna hit some some shots. Talking about shots, well, not to get off uh, uh, the the subject here, but. You mentioned the bullpen and, you know what I'm saying, uh, Shea Bridge. The farthest home run I've seen, do you remember the name former Cincinnati Red? Adam Dunn. Yes. Adam Dunn we know is former football player, 6'5", about 240, Man's man. Yeah. He walks in a room, you're like, oh, who's that?
2: Yeah.
0: Adam Dunn will hit a ball at City Field. That passed Shea Bridge on the fly. That is hard to do, Will. Only
1: <laughs> only Judge and John Carlos Stanton, I think, could, could do that. The but okay.
0: Ball past the bridge. Well, I'm sure you could you look it up, Will. It it flew over the bridge and it was still ascending, not descending, ascending. I think it measured at like 498. It 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 barely missed five. And I mean, you know, and and you know, as we know, city field is huge. Even though they brought in the fences, it's it's still it's, huge. It's still big. But um, it's funny that you say, you know, Schaubert. It just made me think of Adam just watching watching that ball. Like, is is it is it still going up? Holy smokes. You so. talk
1: about long home runs, and I'll just leave this right here. I was at Subway Series last year. Went to three out of the four games. And the first game that they were they were playing at City Field, Aaron Judge comes up and he gets a three run bomb. I remember. I'm talking to my cousins and my uncle and all I of a sudden I'm like I'm looking at Judge and I hear the ball come off of Judge's bat, and I'm like, Where is this ball going to land? And it
0: wound up landing in the third deck. I'm
1: like, that's the longest home run I've ever seen
0: in my life. I remember that Aaron Judge put himself on the scene with that with that bomb. I remember I was uh, I was at home uh, watching the game. Gary Cohen, in Sny for the Mets, does a great job. He's I'm, awesome. I'm a big Gary Cohen fan. Gary, if you're listening, we gotta have you on the show. We need pretty, every, pretty, we need pretty everybody. pretty pretty We pretty need please. everybody. But Gary Cohen's home run calls, and it's out of here. Well, I have never heard him say it's out of here that fast. It's almost like the instant he hit it, it was like, "Is this going to land in Astoria or?" It is going to land in Flushing. I mean, I know they play in uh, yeah, Flushing, but in, in LaGuardia. What part of Queens is? It? I mean, yeah. he. Well, I think it reminds me of, um, the former Texas Ranger, the last year of Yankee. Uh, Josh Sadie, Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Mike Berman was doing the play-by-play. Chris Berman. For, Chris Berman, sorry, was doing the play-by-play. Josh Hamilton hit a ball so far. Chris Berman said he hit that one to Pelham. <laughs> yeah, he hit that one to Pelham, and Aaron Judge hit that one to parts of Queens that I didn't even know existed. Well, so that's <laughs> so that's a very very good good point. I didn't yeah. know that part of Queens even. What's even there, bro?
1: Sean, final thoughts? Yes, final thoughts for what you what you've seen so far this
0: week. World Cup is over. I'm sad, um, but you know, again, just to wrap that up. Congrats again to France. You know, well, um, it's gonna, it's, well, it's gonna be a very odd sports week. We have to wait till Friday for any type of sport or any type of sport that we care about. Just yeah. saying, the honest, yeah. the, honest, the truth. But you know what? Hopefully, the All Star festivities go well. Mm-hmm. It'll be very interesting to see what trades could happen. Yeah. These are when GMs talk and make phone calls. So, you know, I'm pretty sure by next week we'll have a, you know, major baseball story to you know, talk about and, yeah. or break. Oh yeah. But you know what? Um, um, you know. It was a good week in sports. A lot of international sports was going on. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we shall see what happens uh, next week. My my two thoughts. Number one, Mike Matheny got fired from St. Louis. Can I pause you right there for one quick uh, second one? Well? Sure. Do you see who the favorite is? In the Cardinals. Do you see who the favorite is to take over before the season Joe ends? Joe Girardi. Bingo. So, I mean, they're <laughs> right there, too. and They're then, right there, exactly. So that—, that Caught me by, by that surprise yesterday by surprise. Right, right. And
1: then number two Isaiah Thomas going over to Denver We didn't talk anything about basketball This show we'll definitely, Next week we will Next, next week, week we, will. we will have We'll be talking about basketball for sure right. But Isaiah Thomas going over there And especially with the feud that he had With a certain uh, Denver Nugget I believe, right? Was it some? Was it somebody from the Nuggets? A feud? Yeah, like a little, little feud Not
0: sure I know he's he's had feuds with people, but I don't think that person. It was some, I think it was somebody Denver. from Denver or mm-hmm. whatever.
1: But still, for him to go over there for the league minimum, hey, congratulations, good for you. You're still in your prime. Hopefully,
0: you prove a lot of people wrong. And uh, well, but it's sad to see where he where he came from because well, this guy was this guy a year and a half ago was like max deal. Who's going to give Isaiah the max? Who's going to give Isaiah the max? And if we go from that to 2.4 or whatever, the veteran minimum is, well, you know, it's sad, but it is a redemption redemption story. Well, Denver is doing some things. Michael Porter felt them. They traded Wilson uh, 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 Chandler. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Thomas signed. We'll see what happens, man. Definitely some NBA talk next week.
1: You know, so we'll see what happens over there. With regards to the whole NBA scene, we'll definitely talk a lot of NBA next week. Obviously, the NBA All Star Game, the Home Run Derby, we'll find out who will be crowned as far as that
0: goes. And football season's coming up too, right around the corner. Yes, I do have. I do have one more thing to say before we go. Of course, shout out to Gotham Podcast Studios, God, Brianna Peters, and Matt, 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 Caleb. Of course, of course, Caleb. of course. Can't saying about that Caleb. Sean Thomas, your host, will be in Chicago on Tuesday. And will my plan is to plaster the city with everything on the board sports. So next week, I will let you guys know about my adventure in Chicago for the day. And, uh, you know, so if anybody in Chicago is out there listening, I will be in your city Tuesday morning for the entire day. So looking forward to seeing and speaking with people about the show.
1: Can't wait. Can't wait. Chi-Town, baby. Chi-Town. And I'm going to be there the following week. Right. So
0: We are attacking Chicago yes. one by
1: one. Who knows? Something might happen. Right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Well, For our seventh installment of On the Board Sports, the Magnificent Seven. Yes. Sean Thomas yes, sir. is signing off along with our excellent producer, Colab. And for the people at Gotham Podcast Studios, you guys have been awesome. I'm Will C. Will Cherucci. We'll see you guys next week.